Your ball theme, Runners to Your Mark. The assignment has been given to me, the text. I've been given the subject, Let Us Labor Therefore. Let Us Labor Therefore. If you don't mind, if you would, and if you're willing, would you please stand with me as we turn to Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Hebrews chapter 4, beginning with verse number 8. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would not he afterward have spoken of another day? There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Let us labor, therefore. The context we understand is talking about rest, and then he tells us to labor, therefore, that we may enter into a rest. That's what you call an oxymoron which is a phrase in which two words of contradictory meaning are used together for special effect. Labor and rest are two words that have opposite meanings, but in the economy of God, we must labor to rest, and once we have entered into rest, we have to labor to maintain our rest. Want to understand that the original word should have been translated as far here as Joshua instead of Jesus. That is apparent from the context which death, which deals rather with Israel entering into the land of Canaan. This passage calls to mind the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, who said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus offers rest to all who labor, to all who toil under the heavy burden of sin. Rest to all who have dissipated their strength through the works of the flesh. He offers, he offers release to everyone who is bound by the law of sin and death. He offers relief to every soul from the rigors of religious rules and endless sacrifices, which can never take away sin or make the worshiper who offers them perfect. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly and hard, and you shall find rest unto your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. He calls us to a rest, but ironically, that rest is obtained and retained through a yoke of labor. Joshua pleaded with the ancient Jews to enter into the land of rest, into Canaan where they would have freedom from the bondage of Egypt, where they had spent some 430 years in servitude as slaves. They left Egypt by way of the Red Sea, crossed the wilderness and came to the River Jordan. Canaan lay just beyond the banks of the river. But that generation never entered into the land of rest. It was not because their captain was not a great warrior and mighty man of valor. It was because of their unbelief. Verse number 8 of our text says, For if Jesus, in the Old Testament Jesus, which really is actually Joshua, if Joshua had given them rest, then he would have not afterward have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. We have, we have another captain. 
more mightier than Joshua, who is king of kings and lord of lords. He's mightier than Samson and wiser than Solomon. He speaks and the winds and the waves obey his voice. He commands and the grave give up its dead. Death had him, but death could not hold him. He said, tear down this temple and I will build it again in three days. He said, don't you understand, death had him, but all day Friday and all night Friday, all day Saturday and all night Saturday, but early one Sunday morning, God dispatched an angel and the angel rolled back from the door and sat upon that stone. My Savior got up up that grave with all power in heaven and in earth in his hands. I want you to understand, I'm so glad that I share in that same power. When Christ got up with all power, he now has given me all power as well. So I'm glad to know that he has the keys to death and hell in his hands. It is that same Jesus who said, come unto me all your labor and heaven laden, and I will give you rest. All the forces of nature cannot stop him in this mission. The very gates of hell cannot stop him. Death and the grave cannot stop him. The only thing that can stop him is our unbelief. And I know that's right. Because I remember the Bible said that Jesus came to his own hometown one day. And began teaching the people in their synagogue. And they were amazed. But then it says, and he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Matthew 13 and verse 58. Their unbelief did not diminish his power. It was a matter of wise use of that power. Why waste time with people who will not believe? I find myself even in counseling many members. You can counsel with them, you can talk with them, you can share them with the things they need to know and need to do according to the word of God. They'll turn around and they won't do what you suggest to them. They began to do the same thing they were doing before they came to you for counseling. Then after a, few, after a little while, they want to come back for some more counseling. I tell you, that's a waste of my time. Amen, somebody. And I saw and I understand why Jesus didn't waste his time with people who would not believe. And I'm so sad to say that there are many of us who are baptized believers who still do not believe. The wise man said, cast not your pearls before swine, lest they turn again and rend you or attack you. Jesus still had the power, but the people did not have the faith. Joshua had the courage and the leadership ability, but the people did not have the trust in God's promises. If you don't remember anything else, I want you to always remember this. Whatever God promises, God must fulfill that promise. Because the God we serve cannot lie. Not the fact he won't lie, but God cannot lie. You and I, we can lie. And many of us will lie. <laughs> and do lie. <laughs> but God has determined that he will not. Therefore, God cannot save us apart from faith in him. Faith in his word and faith in his work of redemption. 
Paul says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a reward of them that diligently seek him. So Paul says today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. He says, let us, there, let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Brothers and sisters, we already have rest. We which have believed do enter into rest. We have the rest of salvation or justification. We have the rest of sanctification and the rest of preservation. Paul wrote to the church in Rome in chapter 5, verse number 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? We have peace with God. That's just another way of saying we are at rest. All hostilities have ceased. All animosities have abated. I'm no longer fighting with God and no longer is God, am I being fought by God. I also have the peace of God. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 7, And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I now have a clear conscience. There is no guilt, no hatred, no fear, no terror. My mind is at rest. I'm not wishing to go to heaven. I'm expecting to go to heaven. I'm not just wishing that I might be saved. I know I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven and I'm so glad. Rest. Rest means we have ceased from our own works. In verse number 10, the one who broke this peace is Jesus Christ. He did the work. He paid the price. We are saved in Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 10. We are sanctified in Christ. Everything we are and everything we shall be, we owe to Christ and his work. Paul says in verse number 2 of, chapter, of Romans chapter 5, speaking of Christ, he says, by whom also we have access by faith into his grace. Rest for the Christian is a rest of grace. It was grace that saved us. It is grace that keeps us, and it will be grace that takes us on to glory. We cannot make it in of our own power, our own strength, of our own ability. I don't know why we always talking about, I'm trying to work to make it in. I'm making it in, not because of my work, but because of his grace. The Christian rest is his salvation by grace. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. That is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. But not only that, not only do we enjoy the rest of salvation, but we enjoy another rest, the rest of sanctification by grace. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 30. But of him, because of God, are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom. Christ is our wisdom and righteousness and sanctification. Jesus is our sanctification. It is a gift from God given us by grace. We didn't separate ourselves from the world. God separate us from the world in his son, Christ Jesus. The reason why we're in the world and not of the world is not because we live so good because you know and I know we don't live good no day. 
But being in Christ, we are sanctified by Christ Jesus. We have another rest. It's the rest of preservation by grace. Jews said unto him, who's able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before his presence with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Father, be glory. I don't know about you, but that verse alone make me shout every time I look around. Understand that he alone is able to keep me from falling. And he keeps me from falling that he might be able to present me faultless before the Father. Amen, somebody. That's preservation. God preserves us. He keeps us from falling. We sing whole to God's unchanging hand. But if God were not holding on to us, we would surely perish. Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I'm so glad that I am still under construction. I'm so glad that I am not where I need to be yet. And I can always say, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. But I'm glad to know the fact that God is still working with me, working on me, and working through me. If it wasn't for God in my life, I would be a creature most miserable. So I'm thankful to God for all that he has done for me. I'm thankful for what he's doing for me. And he still sees some good in me to do something even now. People may not see good in me, but thank God they are not my God. People might not want to hold on to me, but thank God they are not my God. Folk may want to talk about me, but that's all right. I'm still going to hold on to God's unchanging hand because he's better than good to me every day of my life. I wish I had a witness here today. Somebody said, through many danger, toys, and snares, I have already come. Twas grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will take me home. Verse number 10 tells me, for he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. The work that we are to do is not our own work that we have devised or thought up. No, the book says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. When Jesus came, he says, I must do the works of him that sent me. While it is day, that night cometh when no man can work. We have ceased from our own works, but not from the works of Almighty God. We have ceased from the works of the law, but not from the works of God. We have ceased from the works of the flesh, but not from the works of God. What is the work of God? John chapter 6 and verse number 29. This is the work of God that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. Believe on him who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Believe on him who said, except you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. So I want you to understand, faith is everything we must have. Believe on Christ and everything is going to be all right. So what does Paul mean in verse number 11? When he says, let us labor, therefore, to enter in. The word labor here is translated from the Greek word, spadezo. This Greek word is translated in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15 as study. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Another trans translation renders it, give diligence. An anonym for diligence is laziness. Another is carelessness. And another is neglect. So he's saying, be diligent to enter in. Don't be careless. Don't be neglectful 
of any duty or doctrine in regards to the work of believing on Christ, we must labor diligently to hold fast to the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. There is no hope in our labor to achieve perfection through the work, through the law of Moses, or through any other system of law keeping. Our only hope is in Christ, who's the end of the law for righteousness. We must labor to rest in that faith and that hope. Well, well now, have we already, have we not already entered into our rest? Yes, but there remaineth another rest into which we must enter, the rest of eternal glory, the rest of heaven. We have eternal life as a promise, but not as a consummated reality. If God promised it, it is as good as gotten from his side. But from our side, we have to maintain our faith and hold on to the end. That's why some preachers of the older preachers have difficulty with us preaching as much about grace as we do. They feel that people try to abuse that grace and do stuff they have no business doing. But I'm here to tell you that a child of God who understands true grace, understand because I have freedom in Christ Jesus, I'm going to live a whole lot better than what I've been living because I don't want to lose what I have in Christ. I don't want God to send primarily allow me to miss out on heaven because of me trying to use grace as a license. When you have a good person in your life, you want to do all you can, my, 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 you want to do all you can to do everything that you can keep them in your life. Let me move quickly on through all this stuff. <laughs> I want you to understand the job we have to do is to hold on to our faith. Hold fast to the profession of our faith. Again, he says in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 1, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time they should slip. So our attention has to be focused on not losing what we have gained. Whatever measures we have along that line are not to gain salvation, but to retain our hold on it. Paul said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but for all them also that love his appearing. Paul also told the Ephesians to put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand, stand against the wiles of the devil, Stand against the principalities and powers. Stand against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Stand against spiritual wickedness in high places. Stand with the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand some more. Having your loins girt about with truth. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. Having your feet shine with the preparation of the gospel. Above all, taking on the shield of faith that you might quench the fiery dots of the devil. And have on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God I'm here to tell you we are standing in joy and in hope of the glory and don't let anybody steal your joy hold on to your joy I don't know about you but I'm still have joy after all the things I've been through and I've been through a lot of things I still have joy this joy that I have the world didn't give to me and the world can't take it away Jesus says my joy I give unto you I'm so glad also the Hebrew writer says I begin to close let us let us labor let us that's you and me 
leaders and followers, brethren and children of God, let us pursue this matter together. No one ought to be so naive as to think he can make it by himself. No man is an island entire unto himself. Paul says we're all members one of another. So in many things, our destinies are tied together. A little leaven will leaven the whole lump. Sin in the camp affects all, weakens all. No chain is any stronger than his weakest link. We need to stop focusing so much on the me, my, and mine and put some attention on we and us. Paul used the term here five times in this chapter and 12 times altogether in the book of Hebrews. Let us fear, let us hold fast, let us come boldly before the throne of God. Let us go on to perfection. Let us draw near with a pure heart and full conscience. Oh, let us hold fast. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that just easily beset us. Let us have grace. Let us go forth. Let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips. And then we have in our text, let us therefore labor to enter in. Want you to know the fight we need to begin to work better together. Young preachers and older preachers need to work better together. Let us, as members of the body of Christ, brothers and sisters, work together. Just because we are different don't mean we have to divide. I want to close by, take, by talking about the V formation of geese. As each goose flaps his wings, it's create uplift for the birds following. By flying in V formation, the whole flock adds 71% more flying range than one bird by himself. The lesson, if we had goose sense, we would realize that people who share a common direction and sense of community can get where they are going more quickly and more easily because they are traveling on the thrust of another. When a goose falls out of formation, it suddenly feels the drag and resistance of trying to fly alone and quickly returns to formation to take advantage of the lifting powers of the birds directly in front of him. If we had as much sense as a goose, we would join in formation with those who are heading where we want to go. When the, when the lead goose gets tired, it rotates back into the formation and another goose flies at the, at the point position. It pays to take turns during the hard task and sharing leadership. People simpler, similar to geese are interdependent with one another. Leaders must not lead beyond their ability. But when they are replaced, they can still be used to help the formation, to influence and encourage. And the new leader must be careful to move only at the appointed time, for what goes around comes around. Young preachers understand that even though you might have more strength, more power than an older preacher, but wait for your appointed time, because one day you too shall get older. 
older preachers don't despise the young man. Don't try to hold the young man down and put him down. But understand that you get into a point where you don't have the influence you used to have, don't have the ability you used to have, but that doesn't mean you're useless. Get in there, influence that young man. Hold that young man. Help that young man. Let that young man know that together we can still do the work of Almighty God. We are not fighting this fight by ourselves. We are in this thing together. God's a mighty good God. There's more about the goose, but that's enough. Glory.